Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We've been going over some of the top positions in the NHL all week. It's time to finally cap it off with the big position, the one everybody loves, the center. AJ, I think... Our lists are probably going to be a lot closer than they were with the wings on this one, but how's your Friday going? Uh, it's going well, man. I uh, I picked up Fire Emblem. I've got it sitting right here. Uh, I'm ready to get this done so that we can post this, and I can hopefully dig into it a little bit before the bar crawl tonight. But uh, excited to excited for that. Excited for our draft. Still working on all of our prep for tomorrow. Um. Really, I'm ready to ready to sink my teeth into all that the next 48 hours is going to have to offer. Yeah, it's it's going to be an exciting weekend, busy one as well. But I'm looking forward to all of it. A, a bunch of fun content coming and and a good time out at the bars as well. So, yeah, work hard, play hard. Exactly. So, I guess we'll we'll jump into it quick then and try to get you to this fire emblem. <laughs> uh, Let's just start at the, at the bottom, number five. You're going to hate mine, but let's do you first. Uh, let's, let's go with yours first. Okay. Okay. Well, it's JT. Next. Yeah, that silence is about what I expected on that one. Uh, regardless of his, his backstabbing ways to the New York Islanders, he's still an incredibly strong center. He's the center behind the entire Mitch Marner that we talked about last episode. I guess he played with Matthew some too, but, but Tavares was clearly the stronger center of the two big star centers on that team. Put up an absurd 47 goals this year. The guy's just been a beast his whole career on both ends of the ice and is setting new highs with the team he has around him now. Cool. Good for him. <laughs> and that's all AJ has to say about that. <laughs> Happy for him. 
I'm glad, you, uh, I'm glad really? those bed sheets have gone well for him. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, who's your five then, if you don't want to talk about Tavares? Uh, I've got Sam Coase at five. And this was really the most, I thought the, the top four I felt really strongly about. Uh, yeah, I agree. As the fifth guy, I felt like there were a handful of dudes that were really in play here for me. Yeah. Uh, and Stamkos got it because of track record more than anything else. Um, the guys, because the other guys that I really strongly considered were Point, mm-hmm. uh, Shifley, Matthews, Eichel. Yeah. I- and... A lot of and, and there's a lot of reasons for those different guys. A lot a lot of it was just two way play, uh, and and being able to and you know a guy like Eichel has been uh, saddled on a on a an atrocious team for a long time, uh, and, and Matthews is more the reason I have him not on here is because of injuries. Uh, he just keeps keeps getting hurt, man. You keep you miss fourteen games a year, you know, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, it all kind of came around and I was like, Stamkos felt like the safe choice there where he combines elite level scoring every year. Uh, he's the number one, number one center on the number one team. It would have, it would have been weird to leave him off this list. Honestly, for me, um, I just felt like he's, he's such a, a huge part of what they do. And obviously he plays with great players. But he's been a great player himself for a very long time, and uh, I think he almost gets taken granted for uh, taken for granted just just a little bit because he is on a great Tampa Bay team. There is so much talent around him, uh, and there is, uh, you know, Braden Point behind him. Where it's like it's it's always like the cool thing to be like, well, the other guy's actually the better one, <laughs> you know, like it's it's such like a it's such like a woke hockey guy thing to say. And at the the end of the day, Stamkos for me throws up another 98 points last year. He's point per game throughout his career. Uh, he's a, he's phenomenal. He is a phenomenal player. And I, I just feel like top five easily. Yeah. Uh, he was seven for me. I, I really wanted to put him in my top five. I really like him, but there's just players that are younger and better at this point, in my opinion. And and Stamkos is great. He's going to continue to be great, but I have a lot of 22-year-olds and 23-year-olds on my list. So, Yeah, well, and the crazy thing about this list of, of centers is because we limited it to five, is yeah. that this thing could have gone 12 deep. There are... There are so Very many easy. centers, and what's another 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 just since I'm thinking about this right now, but we don't have Leon Drysaitel on either of our lists of right. wings or centers, yeah. and he's kind of both, and he's coming off a fifty goal year. I would just say that I would have had him on my wing list had there been more than just the one hundred point season, right. I, I agree with you there. I, I think I counted him more as a wing, and it's the, the same story. It's been on all these lists for me of you got to do it more than once. Yeah, and, like, he's has a couple of 70-point years. He's a, he's a, he's a high-level player in the NHL, obviously, uh, but he really only, you know, he has, like, the one insane season last year right? where he puts up 105 points playing next to McDavid. 
but he also shot almost 22%. And yes. it was like, for me, there were all of the traditional red flags of this is a career year. Yeah. Uh, that I'm, I, I'm. Do it again, please. <laughs> right. The same reason why Braden Point is not uh, higher on my list right now. Five, yeah. Because a 40 goal season, you know, a great young player, but he shot 21.6%. Or 21.5. And it's like, yeah, well, you know. And, of course, I say that. And, and Stamkos shot 19 last year. But Stamkos is also a 17% career shooter. Right. So He's that's always- not crazy out of line for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To shoot 19. It's it's like a 13% career shooter shooting 19 where you're like, huh. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like Dreisaitl, for example. A perfect example there of a guy that you know he uh he's a 16% career shooter but that's also elevated a lot by the 21 that he just had right exactly because when his career over, high before that had been 16.9 yeah when you're getting a, a delta of 5% or more on your career that's it makes you think for a second for sure yeah it's it provides you with a red flag yeah where you're like ah all right like, I see, you know, great year and all, but, you know, at this, and then you look at guys like, uh, uh, on the other end, a guy like Jack Eichel, who had 82 yeah. points last year, but he shot 9%. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, if he had shot 16%, like a bunch of these other guys, or even 15%, you know, we might be, we might have been looking at him as a 90-point guy, and we're, maybe he's in this conversation. Yeah, I it, you just can't put Eichel in the conversation until he until he gets a better team around him, in my opinion. Great player. He can carry that team as much as he wants, but with how many times he's gotten hurt and that team has just gone nowhere with him. Is that all who uh, is that all on him though? It's the not, injuries but... the injuries is no no question. No contest there. Uh one eighty point season in four four years. Right, and it's it's certainly not on all all on him, and I do think he has more to give. But mm-hmm. this top of this center list is so strong that it, yeah. it's hard to give anything on. You have more there. That's that's, and I think since we're since we're still kind of on five here, and we're yeah. talking about guys not on the list instead of digging right. into all the guys who are, I think that's fair, man. Is that uh, with a guy like Eichel in a couple of years, I fully expect both Eichel and Matthews to be on my top five. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but it's, it's like, you know, with Eichel, the injuries have held him back. Uh, Matthews, the same thing, you know, yep. you, you're just not going to get on this list when you're playing 65 games. Right. You know, uh, Matthews and, you know, Matthews career high is 73 point season last year. So, you know, and, and the goals have been, he's obviously going to be an incredible goal scorer in his career. His first three years, he had 40, 34 and 37, (laughs) regardless of injuries. That's insane. Right. It's the kid can fire the puck. Yeah. And so you're not, you know, you're not worrying about that. It's, it's more, is he going to be able to stay healthy and push his point totals into that upper echelon? You know, we talked about the wings with Ovechkin and how, uh, you know, he drops 50 every year. 
and you know never misses a freaking game and never misses a game and you know his point totals he's only like an only quote unquote only like an 88 point guy yeah you know like in that range every year because he just doesn't rack up a ton of assists but if you're scoring 50 a year that's fine if you're scoring 35 a year and you're still not racking up a ton of assists like (laughs) you know like how good are you really and i think it's a fair question because right now to me you know, Austin Matthews is off to a brilliant start to his career. He's going to be one of the premier goal scorers in this league in his career, but he's got to stay healthy and he's got to, he's got to take the next like statistical leap because all the underlyings are there. Let's say he's going to be a dominant player and that when he plays, he's dominant, but he's got to, you got to stay healthy in this league. Yeah, you absolutely do. Uh, Another guy in the stay healthy vein, but not in this youth level vein that I don't have on my lists. You may well. And if you do, we can save it for later, but he's only played last two seasons, 64 games, 65 games, Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Not on my list for both of those reasons that he's 34 and the injuries have really started to catch up to him the last two years. Yeah. It, and it pained me. He'd be my number six right now, even with the injuries, just because of that defensive play. Incredible two-way player. Yeah. But, again, you got to stay healthy, man. Right. I can't rewind. 79 points last year. Had he stayed healthy, he probably would have been on on both of our lists, like, no problem. Yeah. But back-to-back years where he's missed, when he misses, like, 17, 18 games, uh, especially in your 30s. Yeah. You don't get the benefit of the doubt in your 30s. And, right, of course, I'm not giving Austin Matthews the benefit of the doubt. And he's 22 years old, 21 years old. So, you know, don't get hurt. Yeah. Compared to the the list of wings, the top of the the centers, well, I guess not the top, but you get into the top five. It's it's so cutthroat yeah. to be one of the elite centers in the NHL in any given year. Absolutely, man. And, you know, we also we also get into playoff performance. Yep. As as one of these things. And again, you know, a guy like Matthews last year finally showed up. Him and and Tavares was solid as well. Not superhuman like like some of the guys at the top of this list will get to. Mm -hmm. But these aren't Johnny Gaudreau's that are, that are disappearing entirely when it's crunch time. Yeah. And that's, that's always been one of the things about Stamkos too, is that postseason performance. He's, he's not elevated. Right. It's uh, just kind of status quo at best. Yeah. He's over a point per game player in the regular season in his postseason career. He has 53 points in 70 games. So you're saying that's solid, but right. Like if that's like uh if that's your second line guy, you're feeling really good about like, Hey, that guy's just kept humming along. But yep. when that's one of your leading men, I think of all the reasons to ding Stamkos, uh, when we're getting into the, like the whole picture of top centers, that'd be number one for me. That's where I would start is postseason performance just has not been at the level of the guys that I have ahead of him on this list. Definitely a fair, fair criticism of Stammer there. It's, <laughs> it's just funny that you get into a guy, you look at a guy's career and you say they had 53 points in 70 playoff games and you take them every day of the week. Yeah. You look at that against what Miko Rantanen, for example, did in the playoffs <laughs> last year. And you're like, well, it's okay, I guess. 
Right. Well, and, and Bergeron is as well here. Yeah. You know, 17 points in 24 career playoff games, uh, 103 points in 136 playoff games in his career. And they're just like, oh, well. You know, for example, Nathan McKinnon, who I have no doubt we'll talk about quite a bit at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that guy has been, he's made the postseason three different times and he's been a point per game in every year, yeah, including his 18-year-old season. So, uh, you know, there's there's just a different gene there. There's a, It's a yeah, different absolutely. level for him, for, for some of these guys where they get into the postseason and the light comes on and you're like, oh, the guy's an animal. And it doesn't always happen for for everybody here uh and Stamkos is one of those guys it hasn't happened for and you could easily make a good argument that he shouldn't be on that list because of that yeah I I agree in Bergeron's defense that defensive side of his game in the playoffs yeah. is still stunning the fact that he gets used as uh like the he's the lockdown guy yeah right he's he's gonna play against your top offensive talent 20 yeah. minutes plus a night and and attempt to shut them down and quite regularly does and that's why he's got what five selkies now yeah whatever however many it is these days <laughs> yeah okay and uh and you know another guy that i talked about on my list uh, just on the outside of my list is mark shifley a guy who i am a much bigger fan of than i know a lot of other people but uh this is this is a guy that's been a point per game player and in the postseason has also stepped up and again, like a two way guy, you know, not, yeah. not as well known for his defense, but I really like the physicality that he plays with. He's got kind of a snarl and an edge to his game that a lot of these high flying centers don't uh, even Bergeron. Who's great defensively. It's, you know, we don't talk about him as like a, a physical guy. We right. don't, there's not very many of those in this list. If you just go through all these top, all these top centers, uh, you know, really a physical element is not part of a lot of their games. And I think that's what makes Shifley a little bit different. And it's one of the reasons why I'm as big a fan of him as I am. And I would have him, I don't know where on the outside of my top five, but certainly somewhere in my top eight, because he does bring that element. If I wanted just another pure skill guy, there's lots to pick from, but this guy brings me something a little different. And he's been really good in the postseason the last couple of years for the Jets. Uh, if I had to play against Mark Shifley, that's the exact type of player that would make me want a beer. So nice. it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they've also just released Strawberry Sky. We've told you guys about it a few times now, and we know you guys are going to love it. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a lighthearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who don't know what that means, this is a light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for the Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer, and make sure you also look out for our Breckenridge event calendar on BSN Denver. We have the bar crawl tomorrow night now. I think we start at Blake Street tavern we will be drinking breck beers there as well so come out and join us rsvp on the website on the calendar and come have a good time on top of all that 
that has been kind of the list of of players that just missed out on this very close top five. It it would have been interesting to go through through the top ten a little bit, but like you said, you have Shifley at about eight. Things start to get a little bit murkier after that, I would say. Yeah, and you start to get into uh, you know, like if Dreisaitl is a center, where do you put him? Right. Uh, if he's if he's a wing, then you know remove him. But then you know I would start to. That's where I start to get into the point. The Sebastian Ajos. Yeah. Um, you know you get into um, um, Sean Monahan. Like once you get beyond eight, you could start to. There's there's a total like spice of life for everybody thing here going on. Um, you know Sagan and Taves, or you can make really good arguments for for lots of different reasons. If you want up-and-comers, then you've got guys like a Matthews or a Dylan Larkin who just had a huge breakout. Mika Zibanejad also had a huge breakout. Sean Couturier has had back-to-back amazing seasons and and gives you super high-level uh, defense to go along with it. You know, Ryan O'Reilly uh, had, that, had a major career year last year where if that's going to be his norm, you can certainly start to get him closer towards the top 10 conversation. And out of like yeah. the top twenty conversation that he's in now, um, but if he goes back to being a sixty point guy, then obviously not. But that's I mean, there's so many good centers in the league that it it'll be interesting. And you know, you have a couple of guys on this list that you know when you talk about like major up and comers, you know, Pierre Luc Dubois, uh, Matt Barzell, um, Elijah Pedersen. Those are all guys that could reasonably you could reasonably see them make a huge leap and put them into the upper echelon in, in the coming years. Easily. And you know, you can come and go really quick from this top five, two seasons ago, McKinnon wasn't even sniffing this. Yeah. And he's going to be very high on both of our lists as, as we move into the next segments here. Yeah. Um, I guess that's probably a good topping point for this segment. We talked about number five and a couple of the guys that just missed. On the other side in segment two, we'll hit numbers four and three on our lists. Before we go, though, I do want to talk about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. That's going to do it for segment one, and we will see you in a minute. Middle segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast here. I'm Nathan. He's AJ. We're talking centers. Number four on our lists. I took Tavares first at five, so why don't you go first at four, AJ? Yes. Uh, This is... This is where uh, I might lose a, a person or two, but I honestly, I shouldn't lose too many. Um, but I've got Sasha Barkov. So do I. Okay. So I think the, uh, the he's always been a really good defensive player, uh, that he was less so this last year, but took the leap into a 96-point player. Right. And was phenomenal in every situation, just huge leap everywhere you look around uh, uh points uh goals assists power play production 
uh, everywhere, big steps forward. Only in, in all the minutes that the guy the guy plays, all the situations, all the tough matchups, he had eight penalty minutes last year. Yeah, eight. Like that could have easily been four accidental oopsie flip of the pucks into the stands. Like that's that's to me that's crazy. Um, does have that high shooting percentage that that kind of makes you go I don't know, but. The power play production uh, is also, you know, double, almost double what he normally would do, uh, (laughs) given the rest of his career. But to me, that's just a team finding out that they have a superstar and letting him be the superstar. Right. I, I pretty much agree with you there. We talked a little bit in the last segment about how Bergeron is, is not getting any younger injuries are starting to catch up with him. I don't believe Barkov's quite on that level of defensive play, but in a lot of ways to me, he's the, he's the heir to the throne there of, of the Selkie of the next generation of players. And with this past season, he's reaching a level of point totals that Bergeron never even really whiffed. And that's, that's a special type of player that, that deserves a top five spot. Yeah. The, Step back defensively last year gives me some concern. Yeah, sure. And that's why he's four and not two or one. Right, because had he been able to maintain that, I think he probably would have gone to two for me. Yeah. Had you been a- had he been able to maintain like super elite defense and then be a 96-point player, like, I'm sorry, McKinnon, and I'm, you know, I, I couldn't <laughs> have made that argument. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's totally fair. It's, if, if you're in the 100-point category and in the Selkie category, that's just that's silliness. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, with Barkov, I really do think that this was his uh, his bigs that we like, like we saw with Mac. I'm here moment. <laughs> yeah, this was his big step into the sun and okay, I've got really good players around me now and I'm just going to take my game to a completely different level. I don't love that his shot generation dropped this last season and that his goals took a big step forward. Uh, That's one of those things that makes me wonder if we're in for some regression this year. But I do think that the power play usage and that he became the focal point of their offense uh, and they really drove everything through him. Uh, and and he helped lead a, a huge breakout for Uberdo as well, who I also added my top 10. Um, those two guys, I mean, I think they, they're they not going anywhere. They're going to play together uh, for a long time, and they're going to, they're, they should be at the beginning of something that could be special in Florida. Yeah. I will say, despite his significant reduction in in shot production his shooting percentage wasn't that outrageous he did have a down year the year before with 10.5 but in the years before that he had 14.8 16.4 and in this past year he was at 17 so yeah to put goals in at that rate isn't that surprising to me if he can keep that up and shoot more then watch out and he's been on the uh uh he has been on the uh, healthy train the last couple of years. Yeah. Trending in the right direction. Went from a couple of, went from really not ever being healthy to the last couple of years. He's been an iron man for them. 
And yep. when you're playing all those minutes and you're doing all the things that Florida's asking and he just keeps getting better. I mean, that's, that's like the mark of a superstar. Yeah. I completely agree there. It's, it's not uncommon for people to rise to their level of incompetence, right? The team just continues to ask more out of a player until it breaks them. And then they turn it down a notch and, and, and find the right spot for him. But, through the past two seasons, Barkov has, has lived up to every task. And that's that's a big thing, is that we we look at the guys that are going to be ahead of him on this list, uh, and there's there's some heavy lifting going on elsewhere. Yep. You know, most of these guys have big help in some form somewhere else on their roster. Certainly McDavid has dry sidle at least. Um, and Barkov got, you know, he's got Uberdo, and that top six is really good. It is. But he's being asked to do everything for them. He has to be the face of the franchise. He has to be the top the the top center. He's got to play in all the situations. I mean, he is their horse in a way that few others are in the league. Yeah, it's there are those special type of players. He's not quite into some of the defensemen we see like Duncan Keith or Ryan Suter that play over half a game a night. But it's in that same kind of a vein where if you're playing against this team, you know you're about to see a whole lot of Barkov's face. Yeah, absolutely, man. And all over the place, too. Yep. That's that's where I think it's different with him, and that's why I have him elevated, even though there's just the one season of the production, is because he is asked to do so much. Uh, and and the defense is, is what it is, and they they play him back there all the time, man. And he's just... And let's be like... Some some of my personal bias is going to play into this because he's also just a hell of a lot of fun to watch play. He is, and and yes, he just has the one season at ninety six points. But if you look past the injuries, which admittedly I've been a little inconsistent about when I worry about them and when I don't, mm-hmm. even so, he's very close to a point per game player in every single season except for his full rookie year, really. Yeah, when I mean you're talking teenagers, right? So. Exactly. I mean, we saw with McKinnon, his first year was unbelievable, but then a couple of fifty point seasons. And yeah. Barkov has followed a very similar path in that regard. Yeah, um, just to just since I've had a, a chance to actually look this up, um, also drew twenty nine penalties last year. Uh, only had the eight penalty minutes. So that's a huge plus. Yeah. Offensive zone start uh, in, in terms of when they were, he was on the ice for actual face-offs. Yep. 42% in the offensive Over half, zone. not in the O-zone. Gotta love it. He only had 382 off- offensive zone face-offs versus 518 defensive. Yup. <laughs> so... so- there's that usage right there. Right. Man. And defensive zone starts um, 261 to 219 in the offensive zone. Yeah. That's... Like the guy, the guy is an, he's an animal. He's an animal. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I got lucky and ended up with the second overall pick in the, in the BSN be a GM draft. So I don't have to pick Barkov, but if I was 
a little bit further down in the top five or top ten and he's around, I'd have a real hard time saying no to him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's number four. That's us have, loving Sasha Barkov. Yeah, we both agreed on a, a spot here. It's been a minute since we've had one of those. Uh, so let's move into to number three here. I uh, had a re- go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. Okay, I had a really hard time separating number three and number two. I think at this point in their careers, they both have very similar impact. Mm-hmm. And after some advice from AJ and a couple of other people, I put Sidney Crosby at number three and not at number two. Okay, so that's funny. I'm guessing you might have Malkin. Uh, no, no. Okay. I also have Crosby at, at three. Yeah, okay. So I'm guessing the top three of our list match then probably. Yeah. I would assume um, so. I can't imagine there's a lot of room for us to uh, to vary here. Yeah, I, I had Crosby at number two. And I think I let myself look at the contract a little bit when I had him at two. Because he has six years left for arguably one of the greatest players ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 8.7 million, which is dumb cheap for him, even if he starts to go downhill at age 31. And mm-hmm. that's still just such an incredible contract. But if you take that out of it, he's 31. My guy at two is much younger than that. So is the guy at one. The guy at one's even younger than that. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> I mean, he's the elder statesman of your, of both of our groups. Right. Yeah. By, by a long shot. And, I have zero doubt he's going to continue being an incredibly great player, extremely well-rounded. Mm-hmm. You know, he's said he wants to win a Selkie before he retires. It's He's just such an amazing player to watch. Even there's a big, big group of people that do not like him, but you have to appreciate his hockey. Yeah, you know, and, and I guess we could talk about this. Um the the people that don't like him, I I get like the the on ice antics where he's a bit of a whiner. Yep. Um. It doesn't look good when he's always mic'd up and his voice is always cracking because he's complaining about something. <laughs> like it it really is not like a good look for him because you don't see that with a lot of the other guys around the league. You don't. Yep. You know you. It's not it's not uncommon for those guys to get mic'd up or whatever, but it's it, you don't see them where those guys are constantly whining and they don't get that reputation and they don't develop that habit where it's just like Sid, man, like you're amazing. Can you just let that be? Right. You know why why are you always complaining about something? And I get that. Like I get that that's a turnoff for some people. Uh, at the end of the day, and and it's not something I I like very much either. It's not an attractive quality in a player, but the guy's talent is unbelievable, and yeah. I love watching him play. He's a special player. I'll always he'll always be a I I wonder what the numbers could have been for him yeah. had he stayed healthy, right? If not for the concussion 
broken neck, whatever it was. Yeah. Kind of thing. But give him credit. I mean, he lost five years, six years now. Over a point per game player. Season in, season out. Yeah, and really hasn't had major injury issues. Yep. You know, lowest total of games played was 75 a couple of years ago. So uh, once he got healthy, he's been able to stay that way. And he's been the man. Just a a dominant offensive force. Uh, And really, I'm the only reason that I have him at three instead of at two is because I think he's probably driving offense less than the two guys ahead of him in that they are unique specimens in terms of the way they move the puck through all three zones and, and the way that they get up and down the ice and change games. And it's just a different level of dynamic. You know, it's a different element. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Crosby used to have that, to some extent as well when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Whether it was the injury, whether it's just in his wise old age, he's he's turned that down a notch and, and has rounded out his game more. It's one of those, and he's still the best of the best, but he doesn't quite have that electricity that the top two guys have. Right. You're, he goes out there, he does his thing, he gets his points, and everyone goes, yep. He doesn't quite make you go, oh my god, what did that guy just do? It's You look at like the, the performance he had in Denver against the Avs last year where he got that, he had the hat trick. Yeah. In a game they lost like 6-3. to three. Right. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was a great performance, but it's not what anybody took away from that game. You know, exactly. It was it was head to head against McKinnon. McKinnon was mesmerizing. Yep. It was. It, it there's just Crosby's an unbelievable player, and he'll probably be one of the five best players that I ever watch in my lifetime. I don't know that today, all current situations involved. I don't think I would take Crosby over the two guys that we have ahead of him. Because I definitely wouldn't take him over the number one. And first, not I, I wouldn't take anybody over that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's and and like it's not even close either. He's so right. He's so like on a different level right now. Yep. He's you know McDavid is on a level that Crosby was on earlier in his career, but. With Crosby, you also have, like, there's a there's a raw truth here. He's had Evgeny Malkin his entire career. Yep. You know, and it's like, oh, Crosby made Chris Kunitz his career. You know, but Crosby has never had to really solely carry the Penguins. You don't win three cups off of one guy. Just ask Wayne Gretzky after he left Edmonton. Yeah. And, you know, their last cup win, uh, really last two cup wins, he argued, Crosby arguably wasn't their best player. Yeah. You know, you remember he, he won the con Smythe and every, I think it was uh, Kessel that had outplayed him. Yeah. Kessel was just insane that year. Yeah. And that's 
weird because <laughs> this is a guy that has way over a point per game in the post in his postseason career. Yeah, not and, even close. And it was one thing, you know, so bizarre watching the Islanders sweep the pens this last year. Crosby just had the one assist yep. in four games where it was just like, what the hell just where happened? Where did he go? Yeah. Like, it was so bizarre. And only six shots on goal. Like, he was just such a non-factor in that series. And I don't know that those words have ever been said about him in a playoff series before. Right. It's He had been pretty incredible. I mean, before that, his, his worst playoff performance was four points in five games. So, <laughs> Right. Maybe the 19 points in 24 games, but you're sure. still like, oh, no, not 19 points in a, in a yeah. cup run, you know? Exactly. Like, more points than a lot of than, than a lot of fourth-line guys will get in an entire season. Yeah. He does in the playoffs. Like, the guy, is, the guy is incredible. He really is. And I definitely don't want to feel like, I don't want anybody to think that just because we have him third, we're hating on him in any way. Yeah. It's just that I think both of us are leaning into recency bias a little bit. Yeah. And that's I, okay I, with me because those what what has happened most recently matters the most. Yeah, it, it's just true. And I, I will say I don't love the whining either. And I might wander a little bit here, but in, in defense of it, it's something I've seen in the top level of player in a number of different sports. Mm-hmm. One I've seen a lot of recently is F1, which is something I've been getting into. Lewis Hamilton, arguably the greatest driver in the history of the sport. Constantly whining. Yeah, dude. In the middle of the race, he'll be like, my tires are horrible. And then he'll drive 30 more laps on them and win the race by like 40 seconds. And it is kind of annoying. But what it boils down to is these guys are at such a high level and they're such a perfectionist that they're expecting everyone in the sport and around them to be on that same level. And when they feel like someone isn't at that level, whether it's a bad call or whatever, sometimes that comes out as a whining. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one thing, you know, the, that whole personality dynamic that we judge guys on in the heat of the moment, you know, I, I actively will avoid competition with people because I'm a maniac when I get in, when I get invested. Yeah. I would absolutely be one of those people that everybody hated because I uh, was when I was still physically capable of playing before my brain got scrambled. Uh, I was very uh, Brad Marchandy, uh, <laughs> except I was a defenseman. So, <laughs> but oh, I, I was that. I was also like the freak out and yell at everybody guy. Totally, and so I'm. I like I get it. Like I I get I get that the, there's like that that competitive edge. Kind yeah, of, like yeah. you get into the moment and you're just like, <laughs> and you just hate everything and you hate everyone and you want to burn everything down because losing is the worst feeling in the world. Just Hulk out. <laughs> yeah, I I can't stand losing. I will actively. I still to this day avoid getting into competitive situations. Like tonight. When we go to the bar crawl and people are playing beer pong and people are doing all the, I will stay away from that. I will, I will drink beer and I will hang out and I'll watch and I'll cheer on and I'll whatever. But I will, if I can avoid it, I will not get into it because I will get intense. 
and I don't, it's like this whole monster that lives inside of me. It's like this competitive rage monster. And I'm, you know, I, I don't like that. I don't like letting that thing out. And so like when I see a guy like Crosby do it, yeah, and it's like, it, you know, it's it's game four of the postseason. His team's about to get eliminated. That I totally get. But it's the it's the it's November twenty third season, right? You know, you're, you're in Florida. In the game. <laughs> it's the first period. You're eleven minutes in. It's yeah. zero zero, and you're throwing a huge fit about something like they're like save it, dude. Right. Like there's a time and place, right? Like you're old enough now that you should recognize this, that you should know better now. Now that you're in your thirties, you should know. Chill out just a little bit, just yeah. a little bit. But I don't disagree with that. You know, man. that's you know, Leo's born in 1987. Sid, Sidney Crosby and I, we just <laughs> you just can't stop us. There you go. They're just animals. It's true. That is that is segment two here. We got number two and number one, which I have a feeling everybody already knows who that is. Coming up in segment three, but I will say, everyone on this list, absolutely game-changing for their teams. So, I'm excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee as well. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so be sure to check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. So check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you can get it shipped straight to your door. That's going to do it for segment two. We will be back with the top two in a minute. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast, talking not only the top centers, but at least when it comes to these top two, arguably the top two players in the entire league. Number two, it's Nathan McKinnon for me. I'm assuming it's Nathan McKinnon for you as well, AJ. It is. And it was closer. It was closer than I thought it would be when I actually sat down to make the lists. And I was very, very tempted to put Crosby at third because of the track record. But when I look at it and I see, Hey, the last several years have been 80 point years. You know, McKinnon has been a little better than that the last two years, and I think yeah. is on an upward trajectory. And yeah. I still don't think we've seen the best out of McKinnon. I I just feel like uh, there's more to give, and with Crosby, it's more of the same. Right, and right. because of that, I have McKinnon and the recency bias and the fact that I see him every day and all that. Uh, but I've got I've got McKinnon at two uh, as the second best play driver in the entire NHL and uh, certainly the guy that generated way more shots on goal than anybody else. Uh, yeah, his shot totals were silly this year. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the point of offense, to shoot the puck. Yep. That's how you know you're driving play. And you always get people who are like, oh, well, how many of those were like that weak wrister from just inside the blue line? Like, you had 365 shots on goal last year. How many do you think were were, were those? Right. It's it's not many when you're putting that that many shots on goal, you're allowed to a handful of, of not great ones, right? Sure. Like even if it was one per game. Yeah. You're it, still talking about a guy that has nearly three hundred shots on goal. Right. You're averaging 
three to four quality shots a game on top of that one. So like, his his year last year is it's just awesome, man. Yeah. As an offensive player now, he's just an unbelievable talent. And there's a few things that stand out to me quite like when I'm sitting up in the press box for all the home games and I'm sitting next to the opposing players yeah, who are scratches that night. And they're just sitting there. And every time McKinnon does anything, they just lose it, man. <laughs> the number of times I've seen those guys whip their phones out and record like the replay on, on uh, the, the Pepsi center Megatron of is McKinnon like going in. <laughs> Yeah, it's like those guys, they're, they are just as in awe of McKinnon as the rest of us. And to me, that, that says everything. Yeah. These are, these are, these are the 0.5% of the players in the world who belong. And, and they look at that guy <laughs> and they're just like, this guy is unbelievable. And then you start to dig into the stats and you're like, okay, well, how much of this is for real? What's, what is, what is he, you know, what, how good is he really? How much does he actually drive? And then you start to see like the, the guy is just a dominant offensive force. Now he doesn't play any defense (laughs) and that's, that's a perfectly acceptable criticism of his game is that defensively he's not counted on to do much of anything. You know, what was, I was, I was reading off Barkov's numbers earlier. Defensive zone starts for uh, McKinnon this last year at 5v5, 163. Defensive zone face-offs, 375. Versus his 644 offensive zone face-offs. Yeah. So the guy, the guy never has to start in the defensive zone. But what makes him such a dominant talent is that when he does, that puck comes out of there and it usually comes out of there on his stick and that defense collectively poops itself. Yeah. That's, that's the most impressive thing to me in 17, 18, the first year that he really broke out the first half of that year, at least people knew who he was, but they weren't ready. And this year, Every single night, the other team knew exactly who McKinnon was, knew exactly where he was going to be, mm-hmm. what he was going to do, and it just did not matter. He just burned him anyway. It was just good luck. Yep. You know what I'm going to do? Try and stop me. And a lot of the time, they couldn't. Really, uh, just a an all-around dominant talent that we're seeing in McKinnon right now. And one of the, certainly one of the very, very best players in the NHL and a guy that I think has a 110 point season somewhere in him. Yeah, I absolutely think he does as well. The One of the things that separates him for me is he's built like a freaking tank. Yeah. He's six foot tall, 205 pounds. You compare that to most of the players with his skating ability and his hands and he's not a giant but that boy is thick yeah well and he plays with power yeah and that's a big that's a big element where you know he he's not looking to like run people over all the time but he will put his head down and just work right 
it's it's one of the the things actually myself and I've seen other people complain about this a bit with McKinnon is when he does the pull up on the wall and I get that he has to do it sometimes but we've seen him do it and we know he's capable of just straight bulldogging a guy and going right to the net and just destroying people yeah and that's you know that's one of those ones where it's we are very familiar with watching him right and i i even get it i think the complaints are a little overblown there i'm just saying the fact that we know he's capable of doing that is incredible well and it's you know there was that that highlight real goal he scored against florida two years ago yeah yeah. where he did that he put his head down and he just walked right on by Aaron Ekblad. <laughs> and when Ekblad tried to use his stick, McKinnon just lifted it, leaned his shoulder into him, bodied him out of the way and snuck the puck in on the near side. Yeah. You know, um, poor goaltending, poor defense, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, sure. It was both of those things, but they were, it was both of those things because he made him both of those things. Right. Like, 95% of players, well, maybe not that many wouldn't even try it, but a significant amount of players wouldn't even try it, and, and 95% of the players in the league, if they tried it, it wouldn't work, even with poor defense and goaltending. Right, and that's that's what makes him the, the dominant talent that he is, is that when he decides it's time to take over the game, he does. Yeah. You look at the game in Arizona last year where, uh, on the right around Christmas, the Gerard face punch game. And he, no, that was two years ago. That was two years yeah. ago. Um, where they were losing four to one and they had pulled Grubauer and Francis was keeping the minute and then they scored and they, okay, now it's, you know, now it's four to two. Okay. Yeah. Now it was four to three and McKinnon just would not be denied. Yep. He would not. He completely took over that game. I don't know that I saw a more dominant couple of minutes all season from any player than McKinnon in that game went until they tied it up. And you wonder, well, why does it happen? Why, why can't he do that all the time? I mean, if he could do that all the time, he would be the best player that the league has ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> because it was so dominant. It was just so singularly dominant. Uh, and we saw a little bit of that in the postseason. And that's again, like we've we've talked about it over and over. Yeah, playoffs are a big part of how we're gonna how we're gonna rank these guys. That's when the lights are brightest. <laughs> because when you're talking about the best of the best at all these different positions, okay, well, how do they do in the postseason? You know, and that McKinnon didn't lead the Avs this year in scoring in the postseason is a little shocking. <laughs> By one point, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then you look at his performance. You know, he didn't lead him in the postseason last year. Uh, against Nashville either. It was Landeskog. Yeah. But at the same time, this is a guy that 29 points in 25 playoff games, and he's never not been a point-per-game player in his three three times in the playoffs. He's, he's always been a point-per-game. Well. So, yeah. The guy is... He, not only is, is he fantastic, but he turns it up at the highest level in the biggest moments in the brightest lights. And, you know, there'll be, there'll be people who listen to this and they're like, Oh, well, how come he, you know, didn't, he wasn't as dominant at the end of that series. He didn't have any points in the last three games against San Jose. You know, Hey, fair enough. I mean, he did 
ruin his shoulder in game seven. Right. And game seven, you can make, you can definitely make that argument. It was obvious immediately after he came back that he couldn't lift the puck because he's the, the number of times that he has tried to go five hole on a goaltender on a breakaway. That might've been the first time I've ever seen it. (laughs) Honestly, I'm not even kidding. I don't remember ever seeing him do it before. It's not his move. And I think the only reason he did it was because he could not lift the puck the way that he normally does. And so he was, you know, he was forced to try and do something else and ended up not being able to. And, you know, if you can't lift the puck, what are you going to do? But there there were still, you know, where was he in game five where he only had one shot on goal? Right. You know, game six, he had, had, you know, he had uh, five shots on goal and was the man, but... But it was Gabe Landeskog who scored the overtime winner. Right, but no points in the last three games of that series. Right. And it's, you know, I say that, and the only games in which he did not score points in the playoffs, the only ones in this last run, was game one against Calgary when they got uh, they got shut out, right? Yeah. Mike Smith. Yep. <laughs> and then the last three games against San Jose, including the game seven where he was, when he got, when he hurt the shoulder. Yeah. So... And- you know, it's, it's, you can't, you can't just pick those three games and say, well, he's not clutch because those are the games that matter the most. You don't get those games if he doesn't play the way that he does right. in the first four games of the series. And I will say it's just impossible, especially in the regular season, to play 82 games at full bore like that. You just cannot do it. You will break. Yeah. Well, and, and like nobody does. Right. It you should just not can't... be a reasonable expectation. Because nobody can do that. It's not right. It's not physically possible for these guys to be that much better than everybody else. Like, have the raw talent, but tapping into it every single night and, and just being that much better. I mean, it's just not, it's not human. And the only guy who comes close to it is <laughs> Connor the McDavid. The robot himself at number one. <laughs> yeah, that's the only guy who comes close to it. And there's a reason why he is far in a way the best player in the in the league yeah it's a, a singular dominant talent uh that i mean i i would probably take mcdavid current mcdavid over prime crosby before all the injuries started to hit yeah it, he is 22 and he's already in the conversation with the two greatest players of all time. He's 22 and he has he has four seasons in the NHL. Yep. And three of them have been 100 point seasons. And the one that wasn't he was hurt. So. Right. And the one though and and he was an 18-year-old rookie. Yeah. And, and he did get hurt and he was still a point per game player that year. Exactly. So the kid is just something else. He's not from this planet. It's he is a he is a soulless hockey robot <laughs> destined to annihilate all modern day like records. Like he I don't know that there's enough appreciation for the fact that this kid has 300 point seasons in 4 years. Yeah. He's unbelievable. And and last 2 years 41 goals, 41 goals. Yeah. And I mean, 372 career points uh, in 287 games. That's just stupid. (laughs) Are you serious? 
he's insane how good he is. And it's unbelievable that we've only gotten to see him in the postseason one time in which he was very Stamkosian. Yep. Nine points in 13 games. Not great. You wonder. We've only (laughs) seen it once. He can only lead the team to the postseason one time. But we also know that's, you know, that was his second year in the league. It was his first time in the playoffs. You know, forgive him for being ever so human in that one moment. Yeah. Uh, You also wonder about dragging that particular team to the playoffs at all. That's got to take a little bit out of them. (laughs) And like, he's had help in in the form of Dreisaitl. He has, but he's also had a lot of meh around him at times. I saw a, a tweet today in which somebody was talking about um, uh, Edmonton's projected forward core next year. Yeah. <sighs> and I just <laughs> fell for him. See that James Neal slot in next to him and you go, oh, okay. They they had Zach Cassian on his right side. Oof. Yeah, they had Dreisaitl on his left and Cassian on the right. Oof, oof. And like Dreisaitl's awesome, but... Zach Cassian is a huge step down. Yeah. I'm if, if he ever gets on a real team and they, and they get into uh, making postseason runs, that'll be a huge part of his story because regular season wise through four years, he's unbelievable. Um, just unbelievable. Like we've, you know, you talk about uh, Crosby and, and some of these other guys and but Crosby's been like the the tip of the elite iceberg for so long. Yeah. But I think I think he's finally been overtaken. And when you look at it, you know, Crosby had 400 point seasons in his first five years. Mm-hmm. And the one that he didn't, he only played 53 games. Very very similar. And but you look at that, he's only had 200 point seasons since then. Right. It's can McDavid keep it up? Right. If McDavid and Crosby's got the high high mark of all those years between the two of them, he had the 120 point season. Yeah. McDavid 116 this last year. Yeah, it's I actually love contrasting the two because I I do think they're kind of the antithesis of each other with the whining with Crosby. And they call McDavid the hockey robot for a reason. I think there's like a clip of McDavid out there whining one time and everyone freaked out because he actually showed a little bit of emotion and right. it wasn't just a machine. So I, I think it's very, very interesting to see that as McDavid is supposed to be the next generation of, of the greatest center in the league. Not at all like Crosby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't be more excited to be in the era of the McJesus. Yeah, right. He's insane, man. And I'm really looking forward to his career and how it goes. I I just think he's that special. Yeah. I, I can't disagree with you. I, I really do think when all is said and done, he will be one of the top three players ever. 
that's that's all I have to say about it. So I guess we'll get out of here. A couple uh, news notes. Like we've said, the BSN bar crawl is tonight. It starts at Blake Street, right? Yeah, 730. So 730 at Blake Street. If you want to come out and have a few beers with us, come on down and we'll have a good time. Like AJ said, we'll be playing beer pong, some flip cup, things like that. Should be fun. And then tomorrow morning, Saturday at 10 a.m., we will be live broadcasting the the draft on YouTube. If you follow us on Twitter, we'll tweet out the link to, to come watch. You can hang out and chat and, and talk about all the terrible picks we make. Yeah, it'll be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. We've put a lot of work into it um, to making sure that this is it's thorough and that we cover our bases and that we have GMs that are yep. are all on the same page for how to go about this and how to approach it and what we're looking forward to tomorrow. And uh, with the second pick, I'm I'm curious to see how you build your roster. I have the yeah. 15th pick, so we will um, we'll get to see the different approaches that we have to take. Whereas I get to pick in the middle of every round, you have to wait 60 picks. Yeah, that's a long gap between you know, those two. <laughs> you're going to get to take McKinnon second overall tomorrow and, and be thrilled with that. And I won't get that opportunity, but I will get my second pick long before you do. Yeah, hopefully I'm not putting Zach Cassie on a McKinnon's wing. We'll put it that way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine uh, Zach Cassian ends up, although there's been talk about Tyson Jost going somewhere in this draft, so... You never, you never know. I will be really curious to see how hard the, uh, uh, the abs Homer glasses apply in a draft in which you're only drafting three forwards. Right. I, I've pretty much thrown out the idea of getting any of the other three headed monster guys. So, uh, where Landeskog goes, I think will be very, very interesting. Yeah, I think because it'll be significantly it. higher than he would in a in a draft full of non-Avs fans, right? But I still wonder, like, just how high he actually goes because a, a seventy, even at his best, a seventy-point left wing, you know, how much how much value do you put in all of the intangibles in the two-way play, right? Where you're looking at a guy whose career year, it's kind of like with O'Reilly, the career year is a seventy-point season and a thirty-goal year, and you're you love that but if it never happens again can you live with that <laughs> that's uh that is the question that we will answer tomorrow morning so yeah we'll get out of your hair here for this friday show uh, we appreciate you listening as always like i said we'll be on youtube tomorrow morning and then we'll be back on monday to deep dive the draft we had and we will catch you then the biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, 
from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.